Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 15 to 16 and in the previous episode we read chapters 13 to 14. Now a quick recap of the previous episode is that Nico was able to have a little bit of a conversation with his father, Hades. He was able to get some quality time that you usually don't expect from demigods having with their parents and it brought a lot more bonding than usual as well as a potential warning of who might be following Nico and the rest of the Athena Parthenos statue group to where they're heading back. So now we'll see how exactly Nico, Reyna, and Coach Hedge will handle this and be able to potentially strike down their stalker. So now we'll read Chapter 15, Nico. Wolves? Reyna asked. They were eating dinner from the nearby sidewalk cafe. Despite Hades' warning to hurry back, Nico had found nothing much changed at the camp. Reyna had just awoken. The Athena Parthenos still lay sideways across the top of the temple. Coach Hedge was entertaining a few locals with tap dancing and martial arts, occasionally singing into his microphone, though nobody seemed to understand what he was saying. Nico wished the coach hadn't brought the megaphone. Not only was it loud and obnoxious, but also for no reason... Nico understood it occasionally blurted out random Darth Vader lines from Star Wars, or yelled, THE COW GOES MOO! As the three of them sat on the lawn to eat, Reyna seemed alert and rested. She and Coach Hedge listened as Nico described his dreams then his meeting with Hades at the Chapel of Bones. Nico held back a few personal details from his talk with his father, though he sensed that Reyna knew plenty about wrestling with one's feelings. When he mentioned Orion and the wolves that were supposedly on their way, Reyna frowned. Most wolves are friendly to Romans, she said. I've never heard stories about Orion hunting with a pack. Nico finished his ham sandwich. He eyed the plate of pastries and was surprised to find he still had an appetite. It could have been a figure of speech. Very little time before the wolves arrive. Perhaps Hades didn't literally mean wolves. At any rate, we should leave as soon as it's dark enough for shadows. Coach Edge stuffed an issue of guns and ammo into his bag. Only problem, the Athena Parthenos is still 30 feet in the air. It's gonna be fun hauling you guys and your gear to the top of that temple. Nico tried a pastry. The lady of the cafe had called them farturas. They looked like spiral donuts and tasted great. Just the right combination of crispy, sugary, and buttery. But when Nico first heard Fartura, he knew Percy would have made a joke out of the name. America has doughnuts, Percy would have said. Portugal has fartnuts. The older Nico got, the more juvenile Percy seemed to him. Though Percy was three years older, Nico found his sense of humor equal parts endearing and annoying. He decided to concentrate on the annoying. Then there were the times Percy was deadly serious, looking up at Nico from that chasm in Rome. The other side, Nico! Lead them there! Promise me! And Nico had promised. It didn't seem to matter, matter how much he resented Percy Jackson. Nico would do anything for him. He hated himself for that. So, Reyna's voice jarred him from his thoughts. Will Camp Half-Blood wait for August 1st, or will they attack? We have to hope they wait, Nico said. We can't. I can't get the statue back any faster. 
Even at this rate, my dad thinks I might die. Nico kept that thought private. He wished Hazel was with him. Together, they had shadow-traveled the entire crew of the Argo II out of the House of Hades. When they shared their power, Nico felt like anything was possible. The trip to Camp Half-Blood could have been done in half the time. Besides, Hades' words about one of the crew dying had sent a chill through him. He could lose Hazel. Not another sister. Not again. Coach Hedge looked up from counting the change in his baseball cap. And you're sure Clarice said Melly was okay? Yes, Coach. Clarice is taking good care of her. That's a relief. I don't like what Grover said about Gaia whispering to the nymphs and dryads. If the nature spirits turn evil, that's not going to be pretty. Nico had never heard of such a thing happening. Then again, Gaia hasn't been awake since the dawn of humanity. Reyna took a bite out of her pastry. Her chainmail glittered in the afternoon sun. I wonder about these wolves. Is it possible we've misunderstood the message? The goddess Lupa has been very quiet. Perhaps she's sending us aid. The wolves could be from her to defend us from Orion and his pack. The hopefulness in her voice was as thin as gauze. Nico decided not to rip through it. Maybe, he said. But wouldn't Lupa be busy with the war between the camps? I thought she would send she'd be sending wolves to help your legion. Raina shook her head. Wolves are not frontline fighters. I don't think she would help Octavian. Her wolves might be patrolling Camp Jupiter, defending it in the Legion's absence, but I just don't know. She crossed her legs at the ankles, and the iron tips of her combat boots glinted. Nico made a mental note not to get into any kicking contests with Roman legionnaires. There's something else, she said. I haven't had any luck contacting my sister Hilla. It makes me uneasy that both the wolves and the Amazons have gone silent. If something has happened on the west coast, I fear the only hope for either camp lies with us. We must return the statue soon. That means the greatest burden is on you, son of Hades. Nico tried to swallow his bile. He wasn't mad at Reyna. He kind of liked Reyna. But so often he'd been called on to do, to do the impossible. Normally, as soon as he accomplished it, he was forgotten. He remembered how nice the kids at Camp Half-Blood had been to him after the war with Kronos. Oh, great job, Nico! Thanks for bringing the armies of the Underworld to save us! Everybody smiled. They all invited him to sit at their table. After about a week, his welcome wore thin. Campers would jump when he walked up behind them. He would emerge from the shadows of the campfire, startle somebody, and see the discomfort in their eyes. Are you still here? Why are you here? It didn't help that immediately after the war with Kronos, Annabeth and Percy had started dating. Nico set down his fartura. Suddenly, it didn't taste so good. He recalled his talk with Annabeth at Epirus, just before he'd left with the Athena Parthenos. She pulled him aside and said, Hey, I have to talk to you. Panic has seized him. She knows. I want to thank you, she continued. Bob, the Titan, he only helped us in Tartarus because you were kind to him. You told him we were worth saving. That's the only reason we're alive. She said we so easily, as if she and Percy were interchangeable, inseparable. Nico had once read a story from Plato, who claimed that in the ancient times all humans had been a combination of male and female, 
Each person had two heads, four arms, four legs. Supposedly, these combo humans had been so powerful, they made the gods uneasy. So Zeus split them in half, man and woman. Ever since humans had felt incomplete, they spent their lives searching for their other halves. And where does that leave me? Nico wondered. It wasn't his favorite story. He wanted to hate Annabeth, but he just couldn't. She'd gone out of her way to thank him at Epirus. She was genuine and sincere. She never overlooked or avoided him like most people did. Why couldn't she be a horrible person? That would have made it easier. The wind god Favonius had warned him in Croatia. If you let your anger rule you, your fate will be even sadder than mine. But how could his fate be anything but sad? Even if he lived through his quest, he would have to leave both camps forever. That was the only way he would find peace. He wished that there was another option. A choice that didn't hurt like the waters of the Phlegathon. But he couldn't see one. Reyna was studying him, probably trying to read his thoughts. She glanced down at his hands and Nico realized he was twisting his silver skull ring. The last gift Bianca had given him. Nico, how can we help you? Reyna asked. Another question he wasn't used to hearing. I'm not sure, he admitted. You've already let me rest as much as possible. That's important. Perhaps you can lend me your strength again. This next jump will be the longest. I'll have to muster enough energy to get us across the Atlantic. You'll succeed, Reyna promised. Once we're back in the U.S., we should encounter fewer monsters. I might be even able to get some, some help from retired legionnaires along the eastern seaboard. They are obliged to aid any Roman demigod who calls on them. Hedge grunted. If Octavian hasn't already won them over, in which case you might find yourself arrested for treason. Coach. Brina scolded. Not helping. Hey, just saying... Personally, I wish we could stay in Evora longer. Good food, good money, and so far, no sign of these figurative wolves. Brainer's dogs sprang to their feet. In the distance, howls pierced the air before Nico could stand. Wolves appeared from every direction. Huge black beasts leaping from the roofs, roofs, roofs surrounding their encampment. The largest of them padded forward. The alpha wolf stood on his haunches and began to change. His forelegs grew into arms. His snout shrank into a pointy nose. His gray fur morphed into a cloak of woven animal pelts. He became a tall, wiry man with a haggard face and glowing red eyes. A crown of finger bones circled his greasy black hair. Ah, oh, little satyr, the man grinned, revealing pointed fangs. Your wish is granted. You will stay in Avora forever, because sadly for you, my figurative wolves are literally wolves. And that's the end of chapter 15. That was a definitely interesting chapter. I think that we can kind of see a pattern with um, demigods occurring in general. I think that when demigods... Demigods already have this feeling of not being normal. As we can see all the way from the lightning thief. Percy had begun to feel that something was different. I mean... Ever since he battled Mrs. O'Leary, his life took a change. And we can see that with Nico. We can see that with Leo. We can see that with a lot of demigods that they struggle to fit in. They struggle to fit in with the normal kids. And they struggle to fit in with the demigods. 
And I think that it's really important for them to know that it's going to be okay. That in the moment, it may feel like you may not fit in. It may feel like you don't have anybody to share your opinions with or your hobbies or your interests about. But it's really about more, I think, it's more about opening your heart. I think that Nico is slowly starting to do that. In the beginning, he was so struck by the grief of Bianca and what had happened to him and happened to her that he closed his himself off from the rest of the camp and is why he's starting to re- remember these kind of moments when he would just stand there and suddenly everybody would get stare- scared of him when others would be in heavy discomfort because, because of him. No, I... I don't think anybody would like that feeling, and definitely not Nico. But I think that with this quest, it's allowing him to start seeing it from another perspective. That there may be people that may not like you, but at the same time, there will be people that will love you for who you are. And I think that Nico is starting to see it with Reyna and Coach Hedge. They're willing to help him out no matter what. They're willing to listen to him about anything. They're willing to offer anything that he needs even after taking just a quick nap. And I think that is catching Nico off guard, but I think that it will help him start to understand about finding the right people in life will take you very far and will keep you very happy for a long time. So I think that this chapter taught us a lot of lessons, and I can't wait to read the next chapter after we come back from our break. So see you then. And we're back from the break. And now we're going to read chapter 16. Nico. You're not Orion. Nico blurted. A stupid comment, but it was the first thing that came to his mind. The man before him clearly was not a hunter giant. He wasn't tall enough. He didn't have dragon legs. He didn't carry a bow or quiver. He didn't have the headlamp eyes Raina had described from her dream. The gray man laughed. <laughs> Indeed not. Orion has merely employed me to assist him in his hunt. I am Lycaon. Reyna interrupted. The first werewolf. The man gave her a mock bow. Reyna Ramirez Ariano, Praetor of Rome. One of Lupa's whelps. I'm pleased you recognize me. No doubt, I am the stuff of your nightmares. The stuff of my indigestion, perhaps. From her belt pouch, Reyna produced a foldable camping knife. She flicked it open and the wolf snarled, backing away. I never travel without a silver weapon. Lycan bared his teeth. Would you keep a dozen wolves and their king at bay with a pocket knife? I heard you were brave, Philia Romana. I did not realize you were foolhardy. Reyna's dogs crouched, ready to spring. The coach gripped his baseball bat, though for once he didn't look too anxious to swing. Nico reached for the hilt of his sword. Don't bother, muttered Coach Hedge. These guys are only hurt by silver or fire. I remember them from Pike's Peak. They're annoying. And I remember you, Gleason Hedge. The werewolf's eyes glowed lava red. My pack will be delighted to have goat meat for dinner. Hedge snorted. Bring it on, Manji boy. The hunters of Artemis are on their way right now. Just like last time. That's a temple of Diane over there, you idiot. You're on their home turf. 
Again, the wolves snarled and widened their circle. Some glanced nervously towards the rooftops. Lycan only glared at the coach. A nice try, but I'm afraid that temple has been misnamed. I passed through here during Roman times. It was actually dedicated to the Emperor Augustus. Typical demigod vanity. Regardless, I've been much more careful since our last encounter. If the hunters were anywhere close by, I would know. Nico tried to think of an escape plan. They were surrounded and outnumbered. Their only effective weapon was a pocket knife. The scepter of Diocletian was gone, the Athena Parthenos was 30 feet above them at the top of the temple, and even if they could reach it, they couldn't shadow travel until they actually had shadows. The sun wouldn't set for hours. He hardly felt brave, but he stepped forward. So you got us. What are you waiting for? Laika and studied him like a new type of meat in a butcher's display case. Nico D'Angelo, son of Hades, I've heard of you. I'm sorry I can't kill you promptly, but I promised my employ employer, Orion, that I would detain you until he arrives. No worries. He should be here in a few moments. Once he's done with you, I shall spill your blood and mark this place as my territory for ages to come. Nico grit his teeth. Demigod blood. The blood of Olympus. Of course, Lycan said. Spilled upon the ground, especially sacred ground. Demigod blood has many uses. With the proper incantations, it can awaken monsters or even gods. It can cause new life to spring up or make a place barren for generations. Alas, your blood will not wake Gaia herself. That honor is reserved for your friends aboard the Argo II. But fear not, your death will be almost as painful as theirs. The grass started dying around Nico's feet. The marigold beads withered. Barren ground, he thought. Sacred ground. He remembered the thousands of skeletons in the Chapel of Bones. He recalled what Hades had said about this public square, where the Inquisition had burned hundreds of people alive. This was an ancient city. How many dead lay in the ground beneath his feet? Coach, he said. You can climb? Head scoffed. Huh, I'm half gone. Of course I can climb. Get up to the statue and secure the rigging. Make a rope ladder and drop it down for us. Uh, but the pack of wolves? Reyna, Nico said. You and your dogs will have to cover our retreat. The praetor nodded grimly. Understood. Lycan howled with laughter. Retreat to where, son of Hades? There is no escape. You cannot kill us. Maybe not, Nico said. But I can slow you down. He spread his hands and the ground erupted. Nico hadn't expected it to work so well. He had pulled bone fragments from the earth above. He had animated rat skeletons and unearthed the odd human skull. Nothing prepared him for the wall of bones that burst skyward, hundreds of femurs, ribs, and fibulas entangling the wolves, forming a spiky briar of human remains. Most, most of the wolves were hopelessly trapped. Some writhed and gnashed their teeth, trying to feel themselves from their haphazard cages. Lycan himself was immobilized in a cocoon of rib bones, but that didn't stop him from screaming curses. You worthless child, he roared. I will rip the flesh from your limbs. Coach, go, Nico said. The satyr sprinted toward the temple. He made the top of the podium in a single leap and scrambled up the left pillar. Two wolves broke free from the thicket of bones. Reyna threw her knife and impaled one in the neck. Her dogs pounced on the other. Arms, fangs, and claws slipped harmlessly off the wolves' hide, but Argentum 
brought the beast down. Argentum's head was still bent sideways from the fight in Pompeii. His left ruby eye was still missing, but he managed to sink his fangs into the wolf's scruff. The wolf dissolved into a puddle of shadow. Thank goodness for silver dogs, Nico thought. Brenna drew her sword. She scooped a handful of silver coins from Hedge's baseball cap, grabbed duct tape from the coach's supply bag, and began taping coins around her blade. The girl was nothing if not inventive. Go, she told Nico. I'll cover you. The wolf struggled, causing the bone thicket to crack and crumble. Lycan freed his right right arm and began smashing through his prison of ribcages. I will flay you alive, he promised. I I will add your pelt to my cloak. Nico ran, pausing just long enough to grab Lorena's silver pocket knife from the ground. He wasn't a mountain goat, but he found a set of stairs at the back of the temple and raced to the top. He reached the base of the columns and squinted up at Coach Hedge, who was precariously perched at the feet of the Athena Parthenos, unraveling ropes and nodding a ladder. Hurry! Nico yelled. Oh, really? The coach called down. I thought we had tons of time. The last thing Nico needed was satyr sarcasm. Down in the square, more wolves broke free of their bone restraints. Reyna swatted them aside with her modified duct tape coin sword, but a handful of change wasn't going to hold back opaca werewolves for long. Arms snarled and snapped in frustration, unable to hurt the enemy. Argentum did his best, sinking his claws into the throat of another wolf. But the silver dog was already damaged. Soon, he'd be hopelessly outnumbered. Laika and freed both his arms. He started pulling his legs from the ribcage restraints. There were only a few seconds until he would be loose. Nico was out of tricks. Summoning that wall of bones had drained him. It would take all his remaining energy to shadow travel, assuming he could even find a shadow to travel into. A shadow. He looked at the silver pocket knife in his hand. An idea came to him, potential, possibly the stupidest, craziest idea he'd had since he thought, Hey, I'll get Percy to swim in the river Styx. He'll love me for that. Reyna, get up here, he yelled. She slammed another wolf in the head and ran. In mid-strike, she flicked her sword, which elongated into a javelin, then used it to launch herself like a pole vaulter. She landed next to Nico. What's the plan? She asked, not even out of breath. Show off, he grumbled. A knotted rope fell from above. Climb, you silly non-goats! Hedge yelled. Go, Nico told her. Once you're up there, hang on tight to the rope. Nico, do it! Her javelin shrank back into a sword. Rana sheathed it and began to climb scaling the column despite her armor and her supplies. Down in the plaza, Aram and Argentum were nowhere to be seen. Either they'd retreated or they'd been destroyed. Laika and broke free of this brown cage with a triumphant howl. You will suffer, son of Hades! What else is new? Nico thought. He palmed the pocket knife. Come get me, you mutt! But you have to stay like a good dog until your master shows up. Lycan sprang through the air, his claws extended, his fangs bared. Nico wrapped his free hand around the rope and concentrated, a bead of sweat trickling down his neck. As the wolf king fell on him, Nico thrust the silver knife into Lycan's chest. All around the temple, wolves howled as one. The wolf king sank his claws into Nico's arms, his fangs stopped less than an inch from Nico's face. Nico ignored his own pain and jabbed the pocket knife to the hilt between Lycan's ribs. Be useful, dog, he snarled. Back to the shadows. Lycan's eyes rolled up in his head. He dissolved into a pool of inky darkness. Then, several things happened at once. The outraged pack of wolves surged forward. From a nearby rooftop, a booming voice yelled, Stop them! Nico heard the unmistakable unmis- vo- sound of a large bow being drawn taut. Then he melted into the pool of Lycan's shadow, taking his friends and the Athena Parthenos with him, slipping into cold ether with no idea 
or he would merge. And that's the end of chapter 16. Well, I will definitely say that was very fascinating to watch. It was very interesting to see how they obviously had no choice because they were outnumbered to retreat, but then also ended up combating while in the process of retreating. So, which at that point, they really had no choice because the wolves were coming at them and it was going to take a while. But I think we can slowly start to see where Nico is also try- starting to take charge as well. I think Reyna and Coach Hedge are going to be impressed by Nico. You know, Nico has so much potential within them. He has all of these great powers and these great ideas and just in general a great person to be with that I think that the, the slower and the, the sooner that people continue to realize how valuable Nico is to the entire, to both camps in general, is something that is vital towards the development of both Nico and the mindset that Nico develops later on in this book and in the Percy Jackson multiverse series. So I think that this these two chapters were really, really important in terms of Nico and his character development. And I think that it's a pinnacle moment for him and is why reading from his perspective allows us to see that in action. So now we're going to move on to the Q&A session. Uh, once again, um, just as a disclaimer, if I miss your name or your question, do please let me know. And I will try to try my best to get to that question. However, uh, a disclaimer is that if I may be uncomfortable and uh, answering that question, I may not answer it. Uh, that doesn't mean that it is anybody's fault. I still would love people to continue asking. I just would not like anybody to have their feelings hurt if I were to skip over them simply due to that issue. So yeah, moving on, let's start off with our shout outs. We have Selenex. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, but Selenex. Uh, George Jengel, George Gengel. I think I got that. I hope. Uh, and then course of the void. Thank you guys. Uh, now to now moving on to the questions. Who would you save if Percy or Jason were both going to be stabbed by Piper? Interesting, fascinating question. Really. Um. Well, Percy and Jason have their own strengths at at. You know, when when we see it in that way, I Jason is obviously you know lightning, um, and just in general, a much more. I would say, he seems to be more empathetic on the outside and on the inside, and then Percy seems to be a bit more humorous yet cold on the outside, but more softer on the inside once he actually gets to know individuals. So I think with that in mind, it's just. A matter of trying to save I would logically I would say I would try to save Percy I've known him since or we've 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 known him since the lightning thief and Jason has only been introduced for a couple of times but that doesn't mean his actions don't equate to what Percy has also done as well so I think that it's important to highlight both of these and I don't know. I would say I would like to save both of them, but then that would be a very generic answer. So I'd probably have to stick with Percy. But that doesn't mean that I will find try to find attempts to save Jason as well. Next question is, why did you choose Percy Jackson? 
I am a very huge fan of mythology. Uh, Greek mythology is something that I've always been interested in since I was little. And I think that I wanted to start a podcast talking about the things that I love. And one of those things is mythology. So I stumbled upon Percy Jackson. I'd heard about its popularity um, years and years back, but never got the chance to be able to actually read the book. So I think that this gave me an opportunity to both do what I love, learning about Greek mythology, while also reading a book that I never got the chance to do, while also sharing my thoughts with everybody. And I think that this is what that I had hoped to done, have to that I had hoped to do, and what I had accomplished in the end. So yeah, thank you guys for all that you guys do just for listening to this podcast. It really means a lot. Next question is, how long is your to be read list? Very long, very behind, very long. I really need to catch up. Um, but yes, I have a tons of books on there that I've seen recommended and that I should read. And I plan to read almost all of them. I hope I read all of them. But yeah. Next question is, have you heard of Solangelo and your thoughts? I think that Solangelo gives Nico that avenue that he's kind of missing. With his thoughts about Percy, I think that it's it gives him a feeling of a little bit of um, trauma in a way. Because he had entrusted Bianca with Percy. Now, does that mean that Nico is still mad at Percy? Potentially not. But I think that the gray, mushy area that exists between the tension that exists between Nico and Percy, I feel that Solangelo is able to give that that break, that just that cutting through that tension because Nico's able to Nico's able to actually Nico's able to find someone that is able to give what he hopes to have. As he looks at Percy and Annabeth, I'm sure that he wishes to have that relationship with someone. And I think that Solangelo is able to give them that, give him that avenue that he hopes to have. So I think that it's going to be great to read about. Uh, next question is, do you think Calypso and Leo will ever be together due to the fact that no man can find Ojiji again? If Leo has a will, he has a way. That's, I think, after reading so many instances of what Leo has done and Leo has come to after what he put his mind to, he achieved it. So I have no doubt that Leo will be able to find Ojijia no matter what. So, yes. Next question is, if you were half-blood, what would you want as a gift from your godly parent? I would most likely want some type of protection armor. Um, I know Talia has that she the shield of Medusa, which does um, affect monsters whenever they look at the shield. So I think I would like something uh, related to that kind of aspect, where I'm able to have some kind of armor that is able to give me those defensive tactics that I would really benefit in a battle. Uh, next question is, uh, associate the crew of the Argo II with a Pokemon. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Um... Hmm. I'd probably say Leo would be Charmeleon, fire type, makes sense. Um, I don't know if I know enough Pokemon for this. Um, Jason would probably be Jolteon. 
if I, because lightning, lightning type, uh, Percy would most likely be Gyarados, potentially, Gyarados, or maybe, hmm, Gyarados or Squirtle, either one of those, just based on the personality, Squirtle might make, might make more sense, though, um, just because of Squirtle's personality and water type, um, Hmm. Uh, I'd say Hazel is probably, um, let's see. I think Hazel would probably be most likely, um, uh, something related to the, uh, the, the dark types, like Gengar, um, Pokemons like that, potentially, uh, because obviously Hades, uh, Litwick, Litwick would probably be the best one for Hazel, um, I think, again, the personalities of Litwick and Hazel kind of match up pretty well, and I think that they both will be able to match really well together, um, Let's see, uh, Frank would probably be, I think Frank could be Eevee, just because Eevee ha- can turn into so many per Pokemon, that kind of also highlights per Frank's, um, Pokemon, uh, shape-shifting abilities, and then as well as, Eevee has this childish, kind of naive, kind of personality towards her, and I think that Frank also exhibits that kind of personality as well. Um, let's see, Piper. Piper would probably be give me a would I, I see Piper as potentially a plant type. Um a plant type potentially Gardevoir, just the elegance of both of them and then you have Aphrodite, Piper being the daughter of Aphrodite. I think those two would mesh together also really well. Um if they had if she had Gardevoir. Um and then let's see. Nico would probably be. Hmm. Yelvedo is potentially a strong one for Nico because he's. Um, or maybe actually Umbreon. Umbreon would be. would make sense for Nico. Just because of the fact that I think they're both seclusive. Or in like. When you first look at them, they're very secluded, but after you get to know them, they're very nice to know and just very soft on the inside. Um, and then Reyna would probably be Absol, easily. I think both of them have that uh, commanding kind of determined kind of elegance ability to them. And I think that those two would also mesh really well. Um, but yeah, you guys also let me know your thoughts about what Pokemon would be given to each, um, member of the Argo II, and yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Next question is, why do you think Hades isn't suffering from a split personality? I like to think that the gods that are suffering from split personalities are essentially twins with differing personalities, if that makes sense. Like, for example, Ares, his split personalities are just constantly at battle because each one both of them are they have their own pride and ego in something so the reason why that they're fighting so much is because they're both trying to protect and 
keep their pride and ego more dominant over the other one. So when you have twins like that fighting with each other, that's why they won't they they continue to fight like that. With all of these split personalities, they are the same, but they have different qualities to them, or they have the same qualities which allows them to fight. With Hades, it's the reason why him and Pluto, his alter ego, or his, I guess you could say twin in this case, aren't fighting is because they both are seem to be more, I believe, reserved in that kind of way. Reserved and more of logical-based thinking. So in that kind of sense, I think that it would be... They wouldn't fight because they would probably think through things and think about, do they really want to fight? What benefit are they going to get out of fighting, both Hades and Pluto? So I think that that's the main reason why they aren't fighting and why they probably won't ever fight, just because of their personalities just not being that way of easily able to fight. Next question is, would you rather be Tyson or Coach Hedge? I would most likely be Tyson. I feel like the the fear I had ever since I re- the since the lightning thief of when Grover brought Percy to Camp Half-Blood was just it it really got me like my it it was it was really really scary just reading that part. I think that just the Minotaur, like, hunting down Percy was just crazy. I think that something that Coach Hedge does as a satyr is something that I could potentially never do. I think Tyson, though, Tyson has that ability—Tyson is able—is, you know, commanding an army of Cyclops. So I think that, although it's not as easy, it's not easier than Coach Hedge, but I think that I would be more comfortable with doing that than compared to— bringing demigods to potentially their doom if they make it to Camp Half-Blood. I probably could not deal with that stress. I really, satyrs have my utmost respect, really. But yes, that is the end of our questions. If you guys have any more questions, do please let me know, and I will try to answer them in the next episode. I hope you guys had fun listening to this episode, and until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.